What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee, the delicious, smooth CBD-infused coffee. Strava is delicious coffee that has a CBD infusion. CBD helps with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on. Strava helps alleviate, including those coffee jitters. It's the perfect two-in-one punch for any coffee junkie. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee and use that magical code DNVR20 to get 20% off your first order of Strava Craft Coffee. And if you've already had Strava Craft Coffee before and use that magical code, then subscribe and save. You save 20% each and every time you order the delicious Strava Craft Coffee. And you can get the coffee delivered to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at 20% off. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee and make sure to stop by the DNVR bar where you can get Strava Craft Coffee on tap. Make sure to use that code DNVR20. All right, fellas, let's hop into the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday episode. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my guys, Andrew Mason and Ryan Koningsberg, live from Dove Valley. And welcome to this live podcast as well. Thank you all so much for rolling with us, whether you're live or whether you're on the podcast format. Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. As the whole world goes remote, especially the these colleges going remote last minute, MSU Denver has already mastered the art of online learning. So make sure to check them out at msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. My boys, what's up, Ryan? I need the scoop. <laughs> of what's going on at Broncos training camp because I didn't see much on Twitter today. It's got me jonesing for some uh, some Broncos news. Yeah, you want a scoop? Uh, I might give you a teaspoon. Uh, <laughs> the Broncos today are, uh, are, are, I guess this week, are changing up the guidelines a little bit uh, because we are moving closer to the regular season. So just in case... Mike Vrabel is a uh, listener to this show, which, you know, I feel like he fits our market. Uh, We can't be uh, given too many details, which is why you didn't see too many uh, on Twitter today. And so uh, we can obviously talk about generalities, what happened in practice and guys that stood out and whatnot. But, you know, you won't be hearing uh, too much about Mike Purcell's uh, play of the day. That's all I can tell you. Oh, you know what? I mean, Mike Vrabel, I don't know if he's in the audience, but one thing – that is popping up around every team is that with the pro scouts not going out to preseason games of opponents that are on their team schedules like they normally would, a lot of those pro scouts have been monitoring Twitter and other forms of social media heavily to try to get a grasp in terms of what's going on in the camps where in the camps of teams that they're playing. So Odds are, guys, there's probably some people, maybe with uh, burner accounts, maybe just with pseudonyms, connected with the Titans, connected with the Steelers and the Bucks, who are following our accounts right now. So it might not be Mike Vrabel or Mike Tomlin or Bruce Arians, but it might be someone in their midst watching this show, just saying. Well, I'm not. I'm not afraid it. to. <laughs> I'm not afraid to spill the beans, guys. Cortland Sutton's good. The Broncos' defense is good. Von Miller's playing on fire. So there you go. Just spilled all the beans. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it was a. It was a, a another practice where if you're hoping for an offensive breakout, you didn't see it. Um, this defense has kind of gotten hot, and the offense is in a little bit of a rut. And you know. Th- just in the same way that this happens in a season or, you know, as, a, as we're seeing in a series right now with the Nuggets, 
one side can get hot, the other side go into a little bit of a rut, and I think that's what's happening out there. Uh, the defense just feeling themselves. They're playing with a ton of confidence, and I don't think the offensive confidence is shaken, but I do think there's enough of a gap between the quality of the offense and the quality of the defense that when the defense is rolling, it's going to be really hard for this offense day in, day out. So, you know, we talked about the safeties yesterday, guys, and we we gave them an A grade and said, you know, these – these guys have just been so consistent throughout camp, and that was extremely evident today. Uh, Justin Simmons had an interception. I think I can say that. And, uh, uh, you know, just the way that those guys play back there, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, at the back of the defense just gives you so much confidence about what this defense can be. You know, the the – the way that they just control things from that back end makes you feel really comfortable on any given play. And they showed it today. Both of those guys made big plays throughout practice. Uh, and, you know, as much as we've talked about it, I just – every time I watch those guys, I keyed in on them today after we said they've been so consistent that we done, didn't even know if one of them had made a mistake all camp. I was like, maybe I should, maybe that was too high of praise. I'm going to key in on these guys a little bit more to see if I can catch them slipping in one way or another. And it did not happen. Those guys are on point, play in and play out. Yeah, and it's like Vic Fangio said after practice. There, there's no real, there, there's not a huge room for Justin Simmons to grow. He's kind of hit all of the major milestones. It's just little things that he needs to improve on. And Vic said he expects him to hit all of those little things, being in year two of this defense. Exactly, and and Justin, man, in this in the year two of this defense, you know that's when a lot of players really start to succeed uh, and excel with this with this defense. And I think, I think uh, there's going to be some people that might be kicking themselves around these parts where I'm sitting right now uh, by the end of this season because uh, you know second team All Pro last year, obviously Derwin James out of the conversation in the safety group now, uh, he might be first team All Pro this year. So if he does that and he does what Vic Fangio expects him to do, which is play better in the scheme, and we see that Buda Baker is a $14.75 million per year safety, what's the price tag on Justin Simmons in eight months? Over 15, which is <laughs> yeah. what I'm, I mean, that's what I, I said they should have just yeah. paid him and gotten it over with in the first place. But, you know, I guess they probably could have gotten him in the 14s uh, if they acted a little bit quicker. The, the question is just, is it going to be here? Because, you know, we've talked about this before. If the Broncos loved Justin Simmons, keyword love, they would have signed him up. And I just, I, I feel like they were lukewarm on it. They wanted to go on a couple more dates. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. There might be someone, uh, someone out there who, you know, is ready to buy the ring. Yeah. And Justin Simmons may be, may do something this year that changes that like to a love that could happen and then the broncos could say all right we're willing to hand over 15 16 million dollars this year but if the broncos stay with where they're at why would they go from not wanting to pay 14 million to wanting to pay 15 16 million because guys what's what could happen in the next couple of months and right after the season is more safeties could just start resetting the market as well. And then if the Broncos hang back like they did or with Justin the first time, it's only going to be more. And don't forget they have the option of the second franchise tag, which even though it takes him up, that still will have him below $14 million for 2021 if they use that. The problem is you run the risk of creating some animus and frustration. Now, Justin Simmons, he's the type of guy that he'll go out and play and he'll play well. I think it would probably be kind of like the situation Carolina faced with Julius Peppers 11 years ago when he got the second franchise tag and he went out and played and he had a good season. But uh, that's the type of people that they are. But then after that, he was out the door and off to Chicago and look at his split. And so... That's the one thing. You could give him that second tag and he could play on it, but then you're saying, then you're basically saying, all right, he's going to wave goodbye because I, I can't see a situation where a guy gets a second franchise tag and chooses to come back a year later, unless it's a Demarcus Lawrence type situation where you give him the second tag and a month later you work out a deal. That's what you'd be hoping for. Well, and we got Jody chiming in saying Kareem Jackson will be gone after this year. That's how they will sign. Justin Simmons and that could be the case because they don't have they're not on the hook for Kareem in 2021 but 
they could keep Kareem for one more season and he'd be cheap compared to what the safety market is now. So I don't right now, if Kareem plays anywhere like he did last year, I don't see them moving on to, from Kareem in order to, to pay Justin Simmons so much more. Yeah, I, I agree. And to be honest, I think Kareem is going to play better than he did last year. Um, he, you know, he's just, he's probably the most confident player on the defense, it looks like, uh, out there every day. He's obviously the one talking and jawing and, and have, you know, yelling. And, and Vaughn, you know, fits that mold too. He's extremely confident. Oh, man. I just have to share this. <laughs> they, they were doing a little like one on one blocking drill of tight ends and running backs uh, having to either block an edge rusher or pick up a, a blitzing linebacker. And, I, you know, without giving too many specifics, Von Miller, these tight ends trying to block him was just, like, not fair. A couple of them didn't even get a finger on him. One move and gone. I was just like, this is not right. These guys, this isn't fair to these guys. Is that uh, Vic Fangio's sense of humor coming out? Is that what he'll watch later when he wants a good laugh? Maybe, maybe. I mean, it was tough going out there, but uh, there were some other really good battles. I was impressed with Noah Fant. Uh, you know, you, th- something about blocking. Blocking kind of reminds me of special teams for these guys, which just like it's all about will. It's all about want to. It's all about, you know, really just wanting to dig your nose in there. And Noah Fant impressed me with his desire to to make some plays out there. And so did Albert uh, Okuebunam. He really – uh, you know, he's he's not quite gifted in that area yet, but it wasn't for lack of effort. And then, of course, Philip Lindsay, uh, the king of just, you know, embracing the fact that he gets to pop someone out there. Well, the, the whole thing of being a willing blocker. That's yeah, that's what you want to see with Alberto, because technically he's not there and he's not close. But kind of like Philip Lindsay, it, we saw when he first came in that he was willing willing to put his body in there even when he didn't have proper position and at least be an obstruction. So I I think Albert O can have the necessary growth. I mean, we've seen growth in Noah Fant as a blocker from last year to this year, and it started with him being willing, and that's the key thing. We're not talking about Julius Thomas 2.0 here when it comes to blocking. So really quick, with Albert O, if you are six foot five, 258 pounds, and you are a willing blocker, why would you not be able to at least turn into a good blocker? I understand it may take a year or two, but uh, there there really shouldn't be concern if the will is there, right? There's no, there's nothing stopping him from being a capable blocker, except for maybe the fact that he's a little wiry, uh, you know, not a, a big base, not a very wide guy. Speaking of wide guys, Andrew Beck has uh, has embraced the fullback life, I think. Uh, he, has, he has thickened up. Uh, a, a bit, but you know, Alberto, I think that's one place where where he could uh, really improve is just getting bigger, getting stronger. Uh, that might be one thing, but you know, it's the same thing as Noah Fant. Um, Noah Fant is also a very capable blocker. He has all the physical tools. He's strong. Uh, he's fleet of foot, and he's also he's a lot wider than Alberto. Um, and and it, you see that with him. He's learning, and you know, we we talked about it going all the way back to when he was drafted he didn't get enough credit for how good of a blocker he actually was in college and he's just gotten better so that's nice to see um and and while we're talking you know in the uh on the dnvr nuggets podcast they call this male form corner uh while we're talking about form Derek tuska man you know i think that he is a guy who completely gets it Uh, and i think he has a chance to be a good player but he's certainly physically outmatched when he goes up against uh, any of these offensive linemen so, you know, it could be a situation for him where he just he needs to get in the weight room for a year before he makes plays on Sundays. And that's OK, you know, for a, a late round draft pick like that. But I'm impressed with uh, his understanding of his position. And I think, you know, he's learning a lot from the guys around him. Uh, but he definitely needs to bulk up a little bit before he's playing in the NFL. You know, back in the day, they used to call the practice squad the developmental squad. Before that was the taxi squad. But developmental, I think, is apt for Derek Tuska. He's got to get in the weight room. He needs that kind of red shirt year, as it will, to kind of learn and grow. I love what you said about Andrew Beck, though, embracing the fullback life. When you look at these tight ends, there is no way Andrew Beck was making this 53-man roster as only a tight end because he just doesn't match up skill-wise only as a tight end compared to Albert O, Nick Vanette, even like Troy Fumagalli, Jake Butt with coming off the knee injury. 
fullback and being versatile and having a special teams role. That's still his path to the roster. And uh, even though it looks really tight at uh, really, really tight at that, at that tight end position, pardon the pun, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes the team. That being said, the Broncos, I think, uh, may try to figure out, okay, roster-wise, do we have other options at fullback just in case we can't squeeze Andrew Beck onto the 53? Well, and that's that's a question coming in from me, 6854, saying, uh, is Andrew Beck that good at fullback? Can we put anyone back there? And when training camp started, guys, we all thought Andrew Beck was making this team of course he missed the first couple of practices uh but now he's been back and do you think that there's a role for him still because we haven't talked about him really at all i do um i do and it is because of that fullback position now that is the that's the first part of it but the other part is him being a you know a guy who's trusted on special teams that's very important and just the fact that he brings, you know, a different aspect to that tight end room. Now, if if you're a decision maker for the Broncos and you're saying, look, we think, you know, uh, Jake Butt can make six to eight plays for us a game, whereas Andrew Beck might be able to make one or two, well, then, yeah, you should make that decision. But I do think there's a part of them that wants to be able to use Andrew Beck in the backfield. And I don't think he's that much of a downgrade at the position where you're losing something that's so good just to have a fullback for a few plays a game. If they believe that, it's a totally understandable decision because you don't really need a fullback. But I think, you know, it's a, it's almost a tiebreaker uh, or maybe even bumps it from a little behind to a tiebreaker for him to be able to have not only just the fullback skills, but also be a very reliable player on special teams. Yeah, and that's the key thing. I think Tom McMahon he's he's going to step in and and decide a few of those spots at the back end of the roster based on special teams needs and the other thing that's just hovering over this is when you don't have games you lose the reps that really generate some separation for those back of the roster spots where their primary role on game days is going to be on special teams so this may mean that you try to slip some guys to the practice squad that are rookies that other that are either late in the draft or undrafted that might otherwise have a crack because you're going to want guys that have done it for you before. And Andrew Beck last year did it for Tom McMahon. And that's the, that's why when I get my 53, Andrew Beck still finds a way onto this roster. Yeah, I think, it. and I think it's because Tom is going to say Andrew Beck's, uh, my, my man and so keep him on this team and that's how he's going to make it i think but guys who does he take a where does he fill in at the roster because is it technically under tight end or could it be under running back i think you're going to keep three running backs and and so that opens up the door for andrew beck to fit into both categories uh yeah. you know normally you would have kept three running backs and jano now you're keeping three running backs and Beck, and Beck gets to play both sides. Yeah, the other thing that's kind of, that, that is also in play there is how many quarterbacks do you keep on the 53? Do you go with only two and try to get Brett Rippon to the practice squad? Or do you say we might lose him on waivers and we really want to have a third guy who knows our scheme, especially with COVID being around, and what if you have an outbreak in the quarterback room and you – need to keep one guy separate then does Brett Rippon stick on the 53 so if if you keep two quarterbacks you can go two quarterbacks three running backs that's that's five you figure nine offensive linemen that's four that's 14 and then that gives you the pot that gives you 11 guys that are coming from the tight end and receiver course so that would actually give you a window to keep six receivers and five tight ends if you really wanted to yeah, and, and another question from Jody here is, is a good one. Didn't Jano bring all that that we're talking about back, but just did it better? <laughs> uh, everything oh, oh. that we're talking about other than catching the football. Yeah, everything right. but tight end. That, and that's and, and that's kind of the key thing there. And, uh, you know, we're only I think we're only going to see the fullback out there in, in short yardage and goal line. So we're not going to see a fullback on first and 10 anymore. That that's That's gone by the wayside. So someone who could be a tight end and could be an H back is of more value to pack Shermer. Whereas 
a guy who's a fullback like Jano is of greater value to Rich Gangarello, to Kevin Stefanski, who worked for Gary Kubiak last year in Minnesota. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, we got another one here from me, me, six, eight, five, four. If we only had 22 <laughs> backs, we'd be all right. 22 backs. Sounds like a Friday yeah. night for Andrew Mason, just pouring them back. Pouring back, <laughs> back. But you got to oh, say that, it right, though. You got you to say it right, though. You got to say, all right. <laughs> you got to have that little huskiness in your voice that, and the little bit of that breathless quality that Brock, that Brock Olivo, almost said Brock Osweiler, Brock Olivo <laughs> had when he was up there and was clearly taken in, enraptured by Jano. Jano. Love Jano. Man, it would be great if Tom McMahon, <laughs> j- just for comedy purposes, put his, did had that exact line, but for uh, uh, for Beck. Well, yeah. maybe next time he talks, I'll ask him specifically about Andrew Beck and see what we can get out of him. <laughs> hey, would you say, Tom, would you say that Andrew Beck, if you had 22 of them, you'd be all right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the only problem with that is because on the Zoom conference, they mute everybody else. That you wouldn't get the laugh, right? I, that's what I would be saying it not so much for Tom McMahon, but for everybody else in the media core who would get that joke. How about you ask, like, if you had unlimited, how many Andrew Becks would you want on the roster? <laughs> uh, at, at least, you know what? Maybe at least as many as you get in the 15 can Breck sample. Yes, yes, about that. 15 Brecks, yeah. <laughs> so, so Ryan, I I know you can't uh, you can't tell us you know who was the starting right tackle and who was the center, but I think yesterday Vic Fangio didn't specifically name a center, but it seems very clear from information we had up until yesterday. We can base our our decisions on that, um, and it really seems like this is Lloyd Cushenberry's job. I guess maybe they want the element of surprise for the Titans to not know who that is. Do you guys agree that uh, it's his job? They're just they're just playing some games, and then what about at right tackle? Yeah, uh, it's his job, and you know uh, John seven eight seven six three eight four seven five who follows <laughs> Zach Stevens on Twitter is probably uh, happily reporting that back to the Titans staff. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, it, it's Kush's job, uh, as expected from the second that they drafted him. We knew that that was going to be, you know, the most likely scenario. Um, and you, you want, you know, that battery of, of Cushenberry and Locke to be together for a long time. And, you know, there's no reason to waste any time with that. Uh, as for right tackle, it still looks like it's going one way very heavily, but maybe not completely over is what I'll say to try and give you a hint as what, uh, what we saw here today. But, um, it does, man, you know, keep going back to what Vic Fangio said about it's, it's Elijah's job as long as he plays the way we're capable of. And I just scratching my head as to what they think he's capable of. Yeah. I wonder if this is going to be a decision where they would have let in a normal year, they would have made it based on preseason gameplay but they're just simply going to ha- going to kick this to the regular season and see how he does in those games and know that DeMar Dotson, being the experienced veteran that he is, could presumably step in at a moment's notice. Like, for example, if you're in Pittsburgh in Week 2 and T.J. Watt is making mincemeat of Elijah Wilkinson, then you say, okay, DeMar, get in there. We need you now. This is so amazing, this comment right here. <laughs> that is great. Oh, man. Oh, so good. John shout Bates, out, shout 88, out John Bates. 88, 28, 08. Oh. That's like John and Kate plus eight. Oh, boy, plus well, some more. That's eight digits right there. Yeah, that's that's in the uh, tens of millions. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else do you guys want to know? I'll see what I can give you. Oh boy, how did how did Drew look? Is it pretty obvious from saying that the defense had their way? Yeah, man, it was tough going for him out there today. Some of the throws that I've seen him make throughout camp just weren't there. Um, I'm trying not to break any rules here. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he had a couple plays where I thought he was about to make the play that he's been making, and then there's just a hand comes out of nowhere and bats the pass down. And and it was, I think it was just a frustrating practice in that regard for him and 
because he kept on, you know, uh, being in a position to make plays. On a couple of reads, he was just a little late, and so the play didn't get as much as it could have. Um, so I wouldn't say he looked bad. It was just one of those things where it was like, you know, we talk about Drew being able to make tight window throws, and it's one of the best qualities that he has and one of the qualities that you absolutely have to have if you're going to succeed as an NFL quarterback. But today those windows, they shrunk just a little bit, and, you know, sometimes uh, there isn't a window. And I think that's what you saw today is just the defense was all over the place. They were really rangy, uh, and, and those tight windows just – they, they closed when he was trying to make those plays, and um, it was just kind of frustrating in that regard. Okay, let me ask you this then, and I think this is a question all three of us could could tackle. The defense doing this well, do you think there's a point where it starts to affect Drew Locke's confidence? Nope. Uh, yeah, no. Drew Locke's confident, you know. Um, Cortland Sutton today was talking about Jamal Murray and just saying, you know, he's so confident to make the, the big plays in the big moments. And I think that's, you know, something that Drew Locke is going to have when he, when he, you know, kind of fully matures into his role as a starting quarterback of this team. Uh, I just don't, he doesn't strike me as a guy who gets his confidence shaken. You know, if you remember all the way back to the hall of fame game, um, he had a bad game. Uh, and I remember, you know, I just wasn't sure what to expect from him in the locker room. And he was like, guys, guys, this is the first time I've ever been on an NFL field. Like, it's fine. I'm fine. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to make uh, adjustments and be better next week. And hell, he was right. He went out there and he was better the next week. So I did, he just doesn't – he's not a guy who gets his confidence shaken in that way, I don't think. Yeah, it reminds me of something that Vic said last year when when talking about, you know, it, should you play a quarterback too early? Should you wait, let him develop? And Vic said, if the guy's got it, he's got it. And I don't think going up against a great defense in training camp, getting beat pretty much for an entire week straight now like the offense has been, I don't think that's going to ruin Drew Locke by any means. And if there's one thing we know about Drew – it said he is very confident in himself, so I don't. I don't think that will change. Okay, yeah, I, I I generally feel the same way. I'll just say this though. I mean, the NFL it's a different animal, and there there's a long list of guys who were confident at every level of football, and then the NFL revealed something different. I think Drew Locke's going to be fine on the other side, but at the same time, that confidence it's got to sustain itself potentially long term because. This year, this year may not be everything that the people who have high ceiling expectations for Drew Locke this year. It might not be everything that people expect. This this could be a more of a two year process, and people can. And that's why I think John Elway talked about tempering expectations for the offense. And even Drew Locke, people need to buckle in for this ride to maybe take a little bit. Yeah, no, it's true, and. Um, I said it on Saturday. I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to start building in excuses for the offense, but I do think what you're saying is fair. Uh, you know, Drew Locke does have a really high ceiling. I'm completely confident in that, but if you're expecting him to reach that ceiling in week one, um, you know, you're, you're expecting a bit too much. Yeah. Uh, so this offense, uh, does have a lot of things that are, that put it behind the eight ball in terms of its youth, in terms of some injuries, uh, in terms of you know just the the lack of live reps that they're going to have together before they go out there in week one. But I will say this, uh, and this is my last big point here. Um, it's now been mentioned twice, uh, and it was Cortland Sutton who said it today. And I and I think you know this is something you can hang your hat on if you're looking for confidence uh, in the offense going into week one. Cortland just talked about how they're trying so much out here. They're trying everything. They're trying to install everything. They're trying each personnel group against certain defenses. And, and he said, you know, that might make it look like we're a little more off, but once week one comes around, we're going to know what our go-tos are and what we're comfortable with and what we're really confident in. And so, you know, again, it might be a little bit of spin zone uh, because Cortland, you know, probably hates the fact that the defense has had their number for the last few days of camp here and, and you know, a good amount of the time throughout camp. But I think it's also true. Uh, every day there are plays that they make and plays that look great against this defense. Uh, and every time that happens, Pat Trimmer files that away and says, okay, you know, that's something that we execute really well that we can go to. So uh, it might be, a, you know, a pretty pared down 
offensive playbook as they go into that week one series, that week one game against the Titans. But it might be the the play, you know, it might be their best plays, and and that's what basically Cortland is saying. And if you're looking for a silver lining, that that would be it. I, I get that, and I think there's merit to that. But I also wonder if maybe the better philosophy for the last few weeks, instead of saying let's tr- let's throw the entire playbook out there, let's try to install it and then figure out our strengths. What if I wish that they had kind of tried to work on core concepts and strengths and get those right now and then over the course of the year kind of build out from there? You know what I'm saying? Kind of start with that core. And frankly, based on what you had coming back and what you brought in, I think it's pretty easy to figure out what the core competencies, at least right away, should be. I mean, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, uh, get, getting uh, those guys uh, outside from time to time, but also taking advantage of some draw plays, uh, getting a play-action game going and uh, complementing that run game with some shots over the top, and then the screen game, and kind of maybe focus there instead of trying to do everything. Focus on the things that your talent says you know you should do best, and then week after week, introduce more concepts. And that also sort of helps you out because then teams going forward don't quite know what to expect because you've got a wrinkle or two coming every week. Yeah, Mace, I agree with you and totally know what you're saying about maybe in training camp the Broncos should have taken a different approach, but it's the NFL. Uh, things don't change. If, if, if one coach has been doing something for so many years and that's the way they're going to do it, Vic's been in this business way too long. So uh, and and they, they get one week of turnaround. Next week is when it's, it's game week, and that's when they'll be focusing on these, you know, 30% of the playbook plays that, that they've been talking about all camp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, man, you know, uh, the bad news is that we're slowly but surely getting weaned off of how much we can uh, relate to the people. The good news is we are very, very close to – everyone getting to see for themselves what this team looks like. And, you know, I, I do believe this offense has capabilities to make big plays. And I think that Drew Locke is going to allow this offense to convert more third downs by the way that he makes plays with his feet and his arm. So I, 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 there's a lot of, you know, for lack of a better term, PTSD with the fan base in terms of, Oh God, not again. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's going to be that bad. I really don't think it's going to be that bad. Even if, you know, it's it's a little ugly to start the season, I still think that you're going to see plays made and the offense move the ball and get themselves into at least field goal range more than you have the last couple of seasons when those offense really, you know, started to bottom out. Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. There, there's a lot more reason for hope, and I know we had someone in the comment section yesterday saying their excitement for the season went from a hundred to zero because of these last <laughs> few practices. And I'll say no, no, no. Uh, maybe maybe don't have it it be at a hundred and expecting this team to take off week one led by the offense, but don't go all the way down to zero. There's still a lot of good things, and don't forget. They're going up against the number one paid defense in the NFL. It shouldn't be easy because if it was for the offense, then there'd be problems on the other side of the ball. Yeah, and remember when Case Keenan was dicing uh, people up in training camp and was going weeks without an interception? Well, he was great. It, yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't reveal much about Case Keenum, but it also, looking back, revealed some weaknesses in the defense that, uh, at times in that 2018 season, was burnt to a crisp. Yeah, and that just reminded me that I forgot to make uh, my joke earlier that I said watching Von Miller going against those guys made me crave burnt ends. (laughs) And on that end, we'll wrap up today. Ryan, thanks for joining us live from Dove Valley. You, my friend, have a great vacation. We'll talk to you before the season opener, a couple days before the season opener. Get a nice tan, enjoy some delicious drinks, and thanks for checking in with us today. And thank you all for joining us on this live segment of the podcast. Stay tuned for some comments coming at you in just a second. I'll miss you. And just like that, let's talk to the people, Mace. But before we do, got to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook because football is right around the corner and there's no better place to get in on all of the action 
them with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer to start the season. So listen up. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in a historic fashion, you would still cash your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. That is a no-brainer. And on top of that amazing offer, DraftKings is giving away $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survivor pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survivor pool, and you'll instantly get a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to take advantage of these no-brainer offers. That's promo code DNVR to get in on all of the action. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also got to tell you about our friends at Breckenridge Brewery. Of course, that 15-can sampler you've heard about on this podcast. You can buy it in Colorado at a lot of local grocery stores, liquor stores, also at Costco. Breckenridge Brewery, of course, is the official beer of DNVR and supporting our partners is supporting us during this crazy time. And one way to support Breckenridge Brewery is by checking out the farmhouse, the, the restaurant down at their brewery in Littleton. You can order your meal and beer from the farmhouse with that magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup, and they'll bring your to-go order out to your car for you. You can order beer as well, so you can get some good food, some good pub grub, but also get any of those Breckenridge brews, those tasty beers, that Colorado Core, that Strawberry Sky, Avalanche Beer, Hop Peak, any of them. They're going to have them there on tap for you. You can also eat in person down at the farmhouse. Call that number 303-803-1380. Make a reservation and let them know that you're coming down. Reservations right now are recommended if you want to eat in person. If you're outside of Colorado, you can't get that 15-can sampler, but you want some Breckenridge brews, just check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. I was able to find Breckenridge Brews in Madison, Wisconsin. At last year, found a place in Buffalo, New York, where I could get some Breck Brews the night before the Broncos played the Bills. And you know what? There may be some times this year as we get in the Broncos season when it's the night before a game, I'm on the road, I want to know where I can get some Strawberry Sky. Where can I get some Avalanche? Well, you know what? The Breck Beer Locator is going to be my, going to be my friend it's going to be your friend, too, to let you know we can get those delicious Breckenridge brews. Breckenridge beer, the official beer of DNVR. All right, let's get it started, and let's start with screw this. <laughs> <laughs> with reports that the Vikings might cut Riley Reef should the Broncos go after him with the struggle at tackle. Well, you can say screw this to that because the Vikings and Reef have agreed on a contract restructure he will be with the Vikings this season. Yep. Sorry, so, folks. Garrett Bowles on the left, Elijah Wilkinson or DeMar Dotson on the right. So you're probably saying screw this right now. <laughs> Wyo Bronco. Hey, guys, it's been a while. Thanks to, for the stellar coverage as usual. Curious if you guys have noticed any improvement in Fant being able to track the ball in the air any better so far in camp. Thanks, guys. You know what? There are times where I notice improvement, but then there was a play on Monday where I felt like he, he struggled to catch it and he had to kind of lunge for it. Now, he did bring it in, but I think it's kind of hit and miss in that regard. I know that's something that uh, there are some people in this market that are really that they really emphasize a bit that uh, they're not sure how well he can track the ball and wonder, okay, is that something that you can pick up at this point or not? Now, that being said, the mistakes in the passing game as far as uh, being able to, to bring down the, the ball, they have been few and far between from Noah Fant. He's, when he's been targeted, he's been reliable in these practices. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, he hasn't been targeted that much in terms of catching balls with, that he needs to track. So I truly haven't been able to see if that's improved or not. 
yeah, let's move on. So we got Wild, or pardon me, um, Elway All the Way coming up next. I need to get this off my chest, but everyone needs to stop with the racist crap. There are three things everyone needs to learn. Respect yourself, respect others, and respect your country. And if you think this great nation is so terrible that you believe in not showing pride, especially athletes who are making more money in a year than most of the fans watching them because they believe this country is so racist and full of bigotry, well, go find another country that suits your ideal the ideal way of life and walk away from your big contracts. I know it's not right, but the world will always have people who are not nice and full of hate, but they are few and far between. Unfortunately, the news puts a microscope on the bad ones. What I'm saying is in this country, you can be president or a bad guy who does bad things, but don't blame anyone when you never even tried. Mm. And, uh, and that, that's what I love about this community is, is we're mm -hmm. here. If, if you want to uh, say your feelings. So uh, thank you Elway, all the way for chiming in. Yeah, and one thing I'll say is I think, you know, I think there's there, there that some the people who are kneeling and they're protesting, uh, they they want this country to be better at, at something. I mean, I think just because the nation is a certain way doesn't mean it can't get better, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I don't think it's because they don't like this nation. It's because right. they want to see it get better. We want to see this the United States be the best it can be, the best America it can be. Exactly, exactly. Manning's forehead. Hi, Mace. I have an assignment for my sports and media class to interview someone involved in sports to discuss how media has changed within the sport. If you were available this week, I'd really appreciate to talk over a Zoom call, preferably before Friday. My email is dsrodish at gmail.com. Thank you in advance. If Mace is unavailable, I would absolutely love to talk to Zach or RK. All right, I'll shoot you an email later today, Manning's forehead. I would say, um, we can get it in. It might have to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are, are kind of tight schedule wise. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up and we'll, we'll figure something out. Awesome. Love to hear that, Mace. That's awesome. Good luck on that assignment, Manning's forehead. Amen. Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers. My boys, happy September. We are a couple weeks away from the season opener and I cannot wait. I will admit I'm a bit nervous with the offense doing poorly in the scrimmage. However, Rome was not built in a day. Fans need to be patient. On a side note, is Von Miller a top five Bronco of all time? I was thinking about this the other day while I was appreciating some Von highlights. Let me know what you think, and thanks for reading. Go Broncos. Okay, so let's – other names that would be in the top five. John Elway. Yep. Um, Peyton Manning. Oh, yeah. I would put him there for sure. I think you kind of have to. Yeah. Okay. Randy Gratishar. It's where yeah. it gets interesting. Randy right. Gratishar, Terrell Davis, Steve Atwater, Floyd Shannon Little, Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Yeah, Tim Tebow. Just keep oh, easy, easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough, Mace. I, I think you got to start where I start. Champ Bailey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Champ Bailey. So where I start, I start with uh, Super Bowl MVPs. And specifically on this team, because all three of them have meant a, a ton more just besides one game. And first, you put Von Miller favorites. in the top. Then you already put Von Miller in the top five. Then yeah, if you yeah. start with Super Bowl MVPs. Yeah, and, and first ballot Hall of Famers, because how many of those do the Broncos have? John Elway, Champ Bailey. Boom. So and, what do and you got the, now? And, five, four. You're at four. Yeah. And I think that's actually fair because because I also believe Von Miller is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer and okay. a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. And so basically you've got John Elway, you've got Trell Davis, you've got Vaughn Miller, and you have Champ Bailey. And then yep. who's the fifth? That that's tough. That's really tough. Um the Hall of Fame says it should be Floyd Little or Steve Atwater or Shannon Sharp. And Shannon Sharp retired with more touchdowns than anybody had ever scored at the tight end position league wide. So he's got that in his back pocket. But it's, it's hard to not have the Orange Crush represented. Right. Absolutely. And honestly, I, just because he's not in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He should have been in long ago. And that means, of course, I'm talking about Randy Gratishar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, there you go. The case for Shannon Sharp, as Mace already made, uh, you add to that that when he retired, he was the greatest tight end of, of all time, really. Yeah, and uh, there's, a, there's an interesting stat with, uh, with Gratishar um, that I came up with. 
as far as the linebacker position kind of going through and, and, and measuring um, and measuring interceptions, measuring uh, fumble recoveries, because let's just take tackles out of it. He's got the prodigious tackle number, but let's take it, out, take it out of it. I believe it was interceptions, fumble recoveries, and Pro Bowls. And it, I believe it was 20, 20, and 7 of each. And every other one of the guys that accomplished that was in the Hall of Fame in their first two years of induction. And Randy Gratishar now has been waiting 30 seven years since his retirement or actually technically 36 years and and nine months since he retired right after the wild card loss to the Seahawks on Christmas Eve of 1983 so he's been waiting way 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 too long and unfortunately he has to wait another year because the seniors committee went in the direction of Drew Pearson yeah for yeah. next year's class and I think and usually if you get that seniors nod you're a rubber stamp into the hall of fame so the earliest randy could get in would be the class of 2022 but the one thing i know from from being aware of some of the conversations in that seniors room and among people that are in that orbit randy gratishar is on the seniors radar right now good good and yes, he should be i expect that his weight will end in the next two to three years good i would love that because it's been brutal so far yeah. for him uh, but Mace, one thing that's not brutal is getting your teeth cleaned at Green Mountain Dental. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver and a longtime DNVR partner. They've showed us the love, so make sure to show them the love because they're part of the fam. And on top of that, they'll show you the love. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So show them the love. They'll clean your teeth and they'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. Green Mountain Dental will keep your teeth clean. And you know what? If you're playing real golf, you want to make an impression you want to have those pearly whites when you go out there and play with your friends, family, business associates, whoever. But let's say you just want to hang out in your sweats and play a little golf. You, you don't want to go anywhere. You just want to stay at home or you're waiting for something. You're, you know, you're sitting in a parking lot. You're waiting to get on a plane, whatever. Well, that's where WGT Golf comes in to scratch that golf itch. It's the most popular golf game in the world as the official gaming partner of dnvr download wgt and join the dnvr three clubhouse by going to dnvrgolf.com now don't forget we've got the dnvr clubhouse dnvr2 such demand such fun that we added dnvr3 so join that you'll be able to be in on all the same tournaments all the same fun of the dnvr and dnvr2 clubhouse wgt for me it's the closest thing to playing actual golf that you're going to get at home. Played by 20 million players around the world. You can play some great courses. Kiowa, uh, the ocean course where they're going to have the PGA next year. You've got Pebble Beach. You've got Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, Wolf Creek, and many more. And, of course, if you just want to have a little fun, you can do some target practice with the Top Golf Game Mode. And you're wanting to play with your favorite clubs, your favorite golf balls, your favorite brands. They've got them here, too, so you can have the virtual versions of Callaway, Ping, Titleist, TaylorMade, and more. Join the DNVR3 Clubhouse. Join in on the fun that we're having. Go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. Yes, next one coming in from Dan Burke, Calvin Anderson, quiet emoji. Hey, guys, a certain media member who I generally respect, but let's just say he's all wrong about this said the Broncos could wave Hamler and sneak him onto the practice squad. I know he's injured, but the Dolphins tried to do this with Curtis Weaver, who needed season-ending surgery, and the Browns and Rams both put in waiver claims for him. There's no way KJ passes through 31 teams. In fact, he's probably a Bengal if the Broncos try this. No? Also, is there a new rule about injured reserve this year? I heard that players can be brought back after three weeks instead of eight, so that might be a good route for KJ if that's true. Yeah, uh, now you've got like the COVID injured reserve as well. So you, the thing about that is you don't have the limit on how you can bring guys back. So the COVID reserve list is different. KJ, yeah, KJ Hamler, you can't waive him. No. And, and the thing to remember is this. We're discussing this on Twitter this morning. 
Every Tuesday, you can denote four players on your practice squad that other teams cannot poach. So you can bring them up, bring the, you can promote them to the 53-man roster, send them back down, and then when you send them back down, they don't pass through waivers. It's going to basically operate kind of like an option system in Major League Baseball where you, if you have an option on a guy, you can call him up and you send him back down AAA if right. the need arises. So right. the thing is, you got to get through that period Saturday into Sunday where you get down to 53 and players pass through waivers, and then you can put your 16-man practice squad together. So I don't think that's realistic for K.J. Hamler. And, yeah. and that's something that uh, uh, teams are going to have to make some, make some tough decisions on. Now, we saw Justin Stranod officially go to injured reserve, so he's not going to be in the mix for the 53. He's out for the year. No surprise there. Uh, you wonder if uh, maybe – the Broncos might look at uh, some other plays. Like, will Austin Fort go on injury reserve, or will they just try to get an injury settlement with him? There are some others that, that, that are in play, too. Yeah, yeah, that's – Mesa, you're absolutely right. K.J. Hamler is not going to be waived. That won't happen. Next yeah. one coming in from Drew Laka. Hey, gentlemen. Mason, Zach, you unimpre- your unimpressed silence said it all when reading <laughs> our nickname. Yes, we have the best school colors in the district, but we have the worst name. Wolves is just a little too generic, especially when it's a brand new school and you can be literally anything. Some other names that were kicked around were Skyhawks, meh, the Highlanders, cool but confusing because there isn't much la- much Highland in Nebraska, and there was a brief time where the Demon Elk were considered, which I thought would have been fire, but they settled with the Wolves. Anyway, our first game went about as you would expect. We got beat pretty bad, but there were some positives. For instance, we did not commit a single penalty all game, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Also, I was the get-back coach, and we did not receive any sort of sideline warning, and, and the other team <laughs> did. So basically, I did my job better than the other team did. It's the little victories that you have to focus on in a time like this. Thank you for reading my long comment. Freshman game on Thursday, so it's up to us to score the first win in school history. Thank you for all you do. Hope you are staying happy and healthy. Yeah, the, the, well, go get them with the freshman team because uh, st- starting a new school like that, like you mentioned, you've got a young roster on the varsity, but uh, it's those freshmen that can uh, create a, a big turnaround and uh, get that program where it needs to go in a couple of years. But, yeah, I, I was looking at this since we're talking about the nicknames here. Here are some potential nicknames that would be uh, – pretty good that are also endemic to nebraska okay the state bird is the metal lark you could have been the metal larks mm. <laughs> the state fossil is the mammoth now Ooh, I like that, that name is used for the indoor lacrosse team here in denver but that's the one the, the mammoth yeah. Ooh. That's, yeah. that's what y'all should have gone with. And then you've got uh, the state insect is the honeybee. The state mammal is the white-tailed deer. The state tree is the cottonwood. The state flower is the goldenrod. The state fish is the channel catfish. Or, I got to go with mammoth. I think that's, that's the one you should have picked. If you were considering demon elk, why not go with demon mammoth? Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. There, there, there are, yeah, there are wolves in <laughs> – for high school mascots there are wolves everywhere around the country it's like wolves tigers eagles bears i was uh my uh, high school falcons yeah mine was the lions there you go (laughs) mine was the green devils hey there you go little creativity we're getting there the saint petersburg (laughs) green devils so the, the demon mammoth there you go. Suggest that one next time. And and my and my parents live in a town called Tarpon Springs, and the high school there is the Spongers. Oh, How do you wow. like that? Because wow. there's a there's an area of Tarpon Springs that's called the Sponge Docks. That's how that was the first big economic driver in that town was was Greek immigrants that were harvesting sponges in the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. So now there aren't as many sponges in the Gulf as there used to be, but. There are a lot of Greek restaurants and things like that. And so, yeah, the Tarpon Springs High School is the Spongers, and uh, their logo is a sponge diving helmet. I mean, oh, wow. be creative. Have some fun. What's the best nickname around here for a high school football team? 
Oh boy. I don't know about around here, but I do know there is a, I believe it's a community college, I think in Texas or something, New Mexico. I don't know where. And they're, um, they are the angry artichokes. I think that's a Scottsdale. Yes, it is. It is. It is Scottsdale. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So classic. That's, that's a pretty, that, that's a pretty amazing name right there. So it is. It yeah, is. It, I, I've been on the field because they use that uh, that field as a Pro Bowl practice the year that uh, that it was in Arizona, and and that was one of the first thing I noticed was of course um, was of course that they were the artichokes. Rocky Ford out in the Western Slope is the Meloneers. Okay, I like that. I like that. That's clever. Yeah. So y- you have to like that. I like the. Um, I want to say I want to say a Steamboat Springs is the Sailors. Okay. Because like you, even though there you know there isn't a lot of water, Steamboat. I mean that that makes that right. makes a lot of sense, right? So right. sounds good. And uh, I'm actually looking for uh, at this list right now of um, mascot names only used by one school. Uh, you have to you have to point out the Fort Collins High School Lambkins. The lambkins, huh? Yes. Get some good lamb chops from that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that, that, that's almost as much fun as a high school in Columbia, Missouri, that Hickman High School that is the Cupies, as in the Cupid doll. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> that is something. Oh, and is there? It's too bad that it's. I was wondering, is there a? I, I was looking at this page here, and it indicates. There's a high school nickname, the Oysters. Interesting. I like it. Hang on. Must be a private school. Oh, car- in Carbondale, Colorado. Oh, not what I would have expected. The Rocky Mountain Oysters. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking, yeah, Colorado Rocky Mountain High School, Carbondale, Colorado. And I'm looking at the page on uh, Max Preps, the Oysters. They're green yep. and white. Well, that's the best. They absolutely take the cake there. Oh, wow. man. Oh. Good on them for having, uh, for having some fun with it. Yeah, Let's, that, that was a fun conversation. <laughs> Larry Dang Jr., LDJ, dear hashtag Broncos country. With Chubb's knee and KJ Hamler only having three days of practice in Glasgow, please, Glasgow, please, please, no shading, Charger fans about Joe Ring James. I feel for the kids. So talented, and to be honest, if he were on any other team but the Chargers, he'd be flourishing. I think he's flourishing even on the Chargers, even though he's hurt, but I digress. Seriously, Chargers got to fire their training team every single year they lose a pivotal part of their team. This team is a Ryan Balaga, who's super injury prone, but a Ryan Balaga injury away from being the worst offensive line in football, and it's not close. They get on Elway for not taking a tackle. The Chargers not taking a tackle with that second first-round pick was one of the worst decisions of the draft to me. But, yeah, I just want us to be Broncos country, not lame Raider fans who think the division's theirs. I'm like, really, Raider Nation, you're about to start Damon Arnett, Eric Harris, and Joyner in your secondary. Man, please. When we play the Raiders, uh, our QB nickname will be Dot Ker Drew. Better, Drew better dot that trash secondary up. I don't know. I just don't want to throw shade on Drew when he's a great player. When I enjoy watching Broncos country, ain't a fan, ain't fan base celebrates great players' injuries, man. Love you all. You're doing awesome. I don't think Broncos country was celebrating the Derwin James injury, and I pointed out – what I pointed out is that it just seems like the Chargers are a snake bit as a franchise because this sort of thing happens every single year, it seems like, to them. Yeah. To a key player they're counting on. Yeah, it's, it is wild, the bad luck they have going on there. No matter what city they're in, guys are just getting hurt left and right. Uh, yeah, I feel for them because, Macy, you want to beat the best. You, you want to beat the Chargers when they're at full strength. You don't want to see injuries. You don't want to celebrate injuries, even if it is against to a division rival. And, Mace, that's probably – Derwin James is probably the second best player in the AFC West and putting Broncos aside. So teams in the AFC West that the Broncos have to play, he's the second-best player. Yeah, he, he's second-best player. You can argue he's the best safety in football right now. Um, yeah. And I'll just offer this. I know Steve Atwater loves to watch Derwin James. Mm, remind so he's of got, himself? Yeah, a, a little bit, I think. But he just admires great safety play. And uh, 
he loves seeing what Derwin James can do. And yeah. we, he and I have talked about Derwin a, a lot. And, you know, when, when Lumba praises you and thinks highly of you as a safety, it's all the endorsement you need, man. <laughs> yeah, that's for, that's for real. <laughs> DM45 coming in. Archaea. Oh, boy, I am nervous about Game 7 tonight. Tied at 3-3. Game 7, let's go. If the Jazz lose, I'm going back to True Champ Fan 24. Oh, um, man, I'm not going to wish you luck there, DM45, because I hope the Nuggets bring it home and have the improbable 3-1 comeback. Yeah, but what a series this has been. I mean, yeah. I think no matter who comes out of this, we have seen two elite stars blossom before our eyes uh, and really take the next step. And, of course, talking about the, both Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray. These guys are going to be fun to watch for a long time. Yeah, yeah, they certainly are going to be. Yep. Race City Bronco. Hey, guys. The Broncos' defense has a recent history of breaking quarterbacks. Back in 2018, the Pittsburgh Steelers were riding high as they came into Denver on a six-game winning streak. Only you see Shelby Harris snatch victory away from the jaws of defeat on an INT in the end zone meant for Antonio Brown. The Steelers end up tanking the rest of the season and miss the playoffs, leading to a public dispute between the QB and their mercurial receiver. Including the game against Denver, Big Ben and the Steelers have gone 2-6 and six since, and, missed a, and he missed a significant amount of time with an injury last year. Last season, Baker Mayfield came into the game sporting a GQ beard and ended the day at the podium of the press conference, slouched in oversized overcoat and a mustache, which, which drew comparisons to Uncle Buck and a creepy van owner. So I'm wondering, which quarterback do you think the Broncos' defense will break this year? My money is on someone from weeks three to six when they face in succession. Old man River Tom Brady, the guy who sees ghosts Sam Darnold, Vaughn's son Cam Newton, or Fitzmagic as he prepares to hand over the reins to Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> oh man it may be fitz magic because mace i think you've you've said it often the the dolphins offensive line is so so bad and the yeah. broncos front seven right now looks so so good so i think it's that game i think so too and i i think the tom brady game the bucks game is going to be fascinating for a lot of reasons not the least of which is because if there's one area where the broncos appear weak it's in cornerback depth. There have been some promising moments. Devontae Harris got some praise from Vic Fangio for what he's done in the last 10 days. He's made some plays, and Devontae Bosby has made some plays. But still, you're talking about going up against Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, I think is going to have a really big year down there. Brady's got weapons that he hasn't had in a long, long time. And so is that a case where – a game like that is where the cornerback depth gets exposed. Most games it won't, but that game, it might be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the last one coming in from the other Ryan says, my boys, the Nuggets win game seven tonight. If, I'm saying if, Jamal Murray has more points than Donovan Mitchell. Outside of game one where Donovan Mitchell had 57 and outscored Jamal Murray, the whoever between those two has had more points has won that game. And I think that's going to be the case in game seven. So if Jamal Murray outscores Donovan Mitchell. I'll give you two, uh, a couple of things. Number one, if either Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic scores at least 38 points, because I could see a scenario where the Jazz crash on Murray. And if that's the case, Joker's got to step up. He will get some looks and he's got to, and he's got to be hitting. The other thing is, if MPJ plays defense like he did Sunday night, that was by far the best game at that end of the court that MPJ has played. He had 12 rebounds. Uh, he was all over the place. And even though the shots weren't falling, Michael Malone wisely kept him in there because he was finding ways to be a plus player on a night when he was cold from the field. Right. And that's huge. That was a huge step for MPJ. Mm -hmm. Find yeah, ways to help when – the shots aren't falling because there are going to be nights like that where it, it's just not going in. Shooters have nights like that, but he found ways to make himself helpful to the effort. So if MPJ continues doing that, and what I'd like to see, obviously, is this, the stroke is, is, is going well, the shots are falling, and he's able to get double digits in the, in the rebounding category. If he does that kind of thing, Zach, then 
he really becomes a valuable player. So yeah. there are a couple of things, but there's so much to watch tonight. This is going to be fun. I'd be remiss, remiss to not mention Gary Harris in the defensive game that he had on Sunday night. He needs to bring it again at that end of the floor tonight. Yes, he certainly, certainly does. And he goes on and says, as of today, who are your last four off and the last four players who make the Broncos 53-man roster? Have a terrific Tuesday. DNV Army salute and go Nuggets. Well, the other Ryan... I think we'll probably be able to break this down in more depth later in the week and give you maybe more precise answers. Macy, you okay with uh, holding this one off till later? Let's hold this one off. Maybe we, we do this and we also uh, – maybe – I've been talking about this. I think maybe uh, it would be a good opportunity to, to do, a, do a projection or a guess here the next 24 to 48 hours and write that on the edmbr.com. So. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Before we get out of here, got to tell you about Green Mountain Dental. You guys know they've supported us for a long time, so make sure to check them out. Only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, and if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. They're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us, so you get to go into an awesome environment surrounded by our DNVR family and talk some Colorado sports while you get those teeth cleaned. And schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, that'll do it today. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us. We'll be right back with you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Have a great Tuesday.